Our second reading is Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, God is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of God. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed her. Word of Scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ amongst us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. The days are surely coming, O oh God, the days are surely coming when you will establish your reign of peace on into the bright future that you are preparing for us even now and even right now, right here. Open our hearts to your presence in the midst of us in the experience of your word that we might listen and say yes. Amen. When I served as chaplain over at the seminary across the street, every Advent I got to curate the seminary's daily devotions, reflections on scripture each day in Advent. I would invite a community of writers, students, professors, staff, alumni to write a daily devotion, each of us considering a central theme for the Advent season. We each had that in common, each of us with a different scripture for each particular day. The writers would write, I would edit, and then we'd send them out by email each morning in Advent to a couple thousand folks. I loved that project. Seeing gifted writers write beautifully challenging words, together collaboratively sending the good news of Jesus Christ out into the world every day. But it wasn't just the words. Before each season started, we had to work on the design of the email, the visuals that would express the Advent theme. I had the blessing of collaborating on that with a graphic designer in Novato, Dennis Bolt. Over the years, Dennis and I developed a rhythm to our work, to our collaboration. I would come up with a theme for Advent, usually bouncing ideas off of Jana Childers, 
I would then tell Dennis our vision in my words, and Dennis would go off and come back with several images to reflect the theme. A rhythm almost always worked like this. Dennis would come back with the first round of image, images, and I'd go, That's close, but, and I'd say some more words as I am wont to do, and Dennis would go off and then come back with the perfect image. The second time was always the charm. We were a good team. One year, our theme centered on Mary, the mother of Christ, and I was very clear in what I wanted for this series. Dennis, I want a strong Mary. We are not talking about Mary meek and mild. We are talking about Mary strong and fierce. Please find us an image like that. My friends, that is not so easy to do. Across history, images of Mary have tended to be soft and sweet and passive, seen through a gauzy lens of gender stereotypes. So Dennis looked for images, I looked for images, and our first batch, well, I said it wasn't easy. So we talked and then both went back to our computers looking for images. And as my eyes blurred with so many Google images, I found one. It was this man who was um, shirtless and on his back, he had a tattoo of the Virgin Mary. A larger than life, literally larger than life tattoo of Mary and I forwarded it to Dennis with a message that only had three words. Not this strong. <laughs> Over the centuries, Mary, the mother of Jesus, has captivated the imagination of the faithful. From the very first days as the early church was figuring out who this Jesus was whom they had experienced, they also had to figure out who this Mary was too. Early on, they came to say that Jesus was fully human and fully God. And so they began to call Mary Theotokos, which is the Greek for God-bearer, which I quite like. In the Gospel accounts, Mary is the first to bear God, to bear Christ in her flesh. Theotokos. Early Christians connected the Mary of the New Testament to female figures in the Hebrew scriptures, to woman wisdom, to Eve, to Hannah, who sings a song very much like Mary's Magnificat. It's almost like she's Mary's opening act. Over the centuries into the Middle Ages, the figure of Mary started to become an important image of personal devotion. One image that particularly connected was that of Mary grieving for her crucified son, an image that is captured in artists' pietas over the century. Mary experiencing the fullness of a mother's suffering, entering into and feeling our suffering. And Mary came to be known not only as the mother of God, but as the mother of sorrows. Mary devotion intensified, with some seeing Mary as an intercessor between us 
and God, someone who would pray for us on our behalf with God, and that remains in many Roman Catholic traditions. That's not what Protestants tend to believe. We didn't follow that path as we believe that everyone has direct access to God all the time without a mediator. In what may be an overreaction, Protestant traditions didn't focus much at all on Mary for a number of centuries. Interestingly, feminist thinkers are split or ambivalent when it comes to Mary. Some critique how images of Mary have been used to keep women in traditional roles, subservient roles, and to define and control women's lives. Others see Mary as a potential source for inspiration and empowerment of women, a subversive power that can help free us, from, free us all from patriarchy. And others note how Mary traditions in Christianity may hold and carry over time our feminine images for the divine. Over the centuries, Mary, the mother of Jesus, has captivated the imagination of the faithful. This Advent, we will be traveling with Mary toward the coming of Christ. So I thought we'd start by considering the Mary that we find in Scripture. And the first thing to note is that relatively, there's not a whole lot about Mary in the Scripture. The texts from the Gospel of Luke that we will look at today, that Lindsay read today and will read tomorrow, they're the main narratives that we have of Mary. She'll appear once more in Luke and with a couple more important stories in the Gospel of John. But with those texts, the texts that we look at today and this week are our primary texts. In this morning's scripture, the angel visits Mary. We know the story. The angel addresses Mary as God's favorite one and tells Mary, be not afraid as Mary stands before this fiery messenger from heaven wondering what kind of message this might be. The angel goes on, Mary, you will conceive a child who will be great, who will be called the Son of God, who will restore the house of David, which means overthrowing empire, and whose kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asks. God will overshadow you. That is, God will protect you, shadow you under her wings in the heat of the scorching desert sun of this world. But I am still a virgin, Mary replies. Even your cousin Elizabeth, who is old, is in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary takes all this in. She ponders this chaotic, world-shaking greeting. Let it be so with me according to your word. Mary says yes. So what can we know about Mary from what we find in the Gospel of Luke? Mary is a young woman, a girl, betrothed to be married, but not yet married. Mary is a peasant girl. She's probably not the poorest of the poor, but she is close. 
She lives in the rural village of Nazareth, which we know is a backwater town. She's a Palestinian Jewish girl living under Roman occupation. Mary lives in a world of empire, her people subject to Roman colonization and control. And we know that Mary lives in a world of patriarchy, where women, especially unwed girls, have very little power. In almost every way, Mary is in the lower echelons of all the structures and systems of power. And the angel says, you, young not yet woman, you will conceive a child. You are about to transgress the order, the structures, and the rules of the powerful, and you will bear a child who will overthrow it all. With what we learn about Mary in these few verses, we can also note a few remarkable things about what happens here. First, Mary, a young girl, communicates directly with a heavenly being, with an angel, a messenger for God. And what flows forth is a conversation of mutuality. In Mary's world of hierarchy and power over, where she has no power, the angel brings a divine word to a woman and engages in a conversation of give and take with Mary. What kind of greeting is this? How can this be? The angel takes time to answer Mary's question and waits for Mary's response. Second, notice that what is happening here is a call story. Mary is receiving a call like Moses received from the burning bush, like Isaiah received with angels and a burning coal, like Jeremiah who resisted saying he was too young, like Samuel who heard God's voice calling in the night. A messenger comes from heaven to Mary with a call. You will bear a son who will overthrow empire and all the powers and whose kingdoms will never, kingdom will never end. And like those other men who were called, Mary considers the call and replies, here am I. Notice that Mary has agency. As the worship team was planning our Advent season and working with this text, that was the thing we couldn't take our eyes off of, Mary's choosing. In a world where Mary doesn't have much power and probably not a whole lot of opportunities to choose, here, Mary chooses. Mary gets to decide. She decides something on which her life and the well-being of her world depend. And Mary says, yes, let it be so with me according to your word. One writer says that Mary here has outrageous authority, and she chooses freely to assent. And with her yes, Mary becomes Theotokos. Mary agrees to bear the, to, and to mother the child, to bear Christ into the world, to bear God into the world. Mary is the first. Mary is the first to bear Christ in her flesh, the heartbeat of God pulsing in her and in Christ and ultimately in us. And then notice one more thing. Notice the calm, the calm of this moment. The world of empire 
is everywhere around Mary with its armies of occupation and its collaborating authorities. Mary and her family live a bare subsistence, living with no guarantee of where the next meal will come. A fiery message of God appears and announces the upending of the current order and a newborn who will rule forever and suggests that Mary will bear all this into the world. Notice the calm of this moment. It all comes down to Mary and to God for whom nothing is impossible. Mary ponders all these things and says, yes. Mary decides, let it be so with me according to your world. With the world whirling around her in this moment of calm, Mary hears of the Christ to come and embraces a love and tender mercy that will upend and change the world for good. So let's look at some of these images. Believe it or not, this is the image that Dennis talked me into. It is not at all what I had in mind, but Dennis convinced me as a good collaborator in a good collaboration conversation can. He said, notice how Mary sits a little higher than the angel. Notice how she looks the angel in the eye. Notice her strength and her resolve. Here is an image that you will see during our Advent experience. This is by Lauren Wright Pittman. It's Mary and Elizabeth bearing and embodying good news that will change the world. Here's an image by Ben Wildflower and it won't surprise you to know this is more what I had in mind. <laughs> this is Mary singing the Magnificat with fist raised, cast down the mighty, send the rich away. If you look on the sides, fill the hungry, lift the lowly. We'll come back to this image next week. Here's an icon by Kelly Lattimore. If you, I don't know if you remember Trinity Sunday, but when I had the icon of the all-female Trinity, this is the same artist. Kelly Lattimore imagines Mary a refugee in her time as a refugee in ours. This is an image we looked at, I think, two years ago, my first advent here with you by Hei Chi a Chinese-American artist. Um, this is a little later on as Mary and the newborn Jesus receive the Magi. In Advent every year, we anticipate 
the coming of Christ into the world. We ground ourselves in the stories from Scripture of Mary and of all of those who looked for God's saving love to come centuries of longing and ache and hope pregnant in this moment. We know how we have seen God at work in the world in our lives in love and tender mercy. And we look again to the horizon for God yet again on the way. God always coming toward us to love us and the whole world, to save the world from everything that does us harm. Mary invites us into the calm of this moment to look with her on out to the horizon toward God's loving, liberating, healing future. God always alive right here and now, and God always on the way. This Advent, we will travel with Mary, embracing love and tender mercy. And so I want to invite you in the quiet of these first days of Advent to consider two sets of questions. First, who is Mary to you? We've considered so many images today. Who is Mary to you? Then, I invite you over the course of the week to read this scripture again. You know it's a good story. And maybe read to the end of the first chapter of Luke. Who is the Mary you see there? And then, this Advent... Where do you see Christ showing up? In the world around you, in you, where do you long for Christ to show up? Where do you see Christ on the way? Where are you being invited to say yes, to embrace love and tender mercy? Mary invites us to join her as she hears the angel's call. God is with you, overshadowing you. God is on the way. In Mary's call, and in her yes, Mary embraces love and tender mercy and joins in God's saving work in the world. Friends, may it be so with you and with me.